started the company in my Washington, D.C. dining room. This is all pre-cloud, so we actually built our own cloud from scratch in my dining room. So imagine like a rack of servers and lots of wires all over the place. And then the, uh, the Great Recession hits. We decided to come up with a different idea right around, I guess, the time that the iPhone just came out. Cloud was starting to gain more traction but still was pretty early days and we bet on the cloud and so we we pivoted the company into becoming a cloud native service instead of people you know sending us hard drives and whatnot to process data we built a uh, cloud service that anybody can use anywhere my name is andy wilson i'm co-founder and ceo of logical this is code story a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know Just what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, pain. we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, And today, how Andy Wilson applied AI to e-discovery and legal holds to enable the automation of the process. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-sourced edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Andy Wilson lives in Central Oregon, which he claims is an adult playground. He loves to ski, hike, and enjoy all outdoor recreation available to him. His favorite food is a medium-rare steak, which I gotta say is an excellent choice. He got his tech degree in the 90s and fell into the world of legal tech. Previously, Andy worked for a company that printed email for legal teams, like truckloads of email. He decided to start up a business to digitize this process using servers in his dining room. Eventually, he moved to the cloud and started using AI. This is the creation story of Logical. If you think about the problem that Logical solves, it's a data discovery service for legal and IT teams that have to sift through all kinds of structured or unstructured information as a result of a dispute, an investigation, or some sort of records request. So, you know, these days, to find the truth means going into somebody's inbox or their text messages or the Slack channels. That's a lot of information. It's really noisy. And Logical, using AI automation, you can dump all that data in or sync it over the integrations of the cloud services. And it'll automatically organize it for you and surface up the most important things so that you can call the noise and find the signal. That's why it's called Logical. I uh, happened to work at a company that would print 
emails the paper on a massive scale and like put it on a tractor trailer and ship it to law firms so law firms could read the printed email. It sounds crazy because it was. It's It still happens today. So I uh, just kind of fell in love with the whole space because there's so much product opportunity and legal and started the company in my Washington DC dining room. This is all pre-cloud. So we actually built our own cloud from scratch in my dining room. So imagine like a rack of servers and lots of wires all over the place. Eventually we got out of that and had a huge data center in Ashburn, Virginia uh, with the direct fiber line into our office in downtown DC, right behind the White House. And then the, uh, the Great Recession hit and we decided to come up with a different idea right around, I guess, the time that the iPhone just came out, cloud was starting to gain more traction but still was pretty early days and we bet on the cloud. And so we, we pivoted the company into becoming a cloud native service so that instead of people, you know, sending us hard drives and whatnot to process data on our, our systems, you know, we, we built that to stop all the printing I mentioned earlier. We built a uh, cloud service that anybody can use anywhere. Tell me about the MVP, so that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? You can take any kind of data, any size of data, and upload it into the internet, and it will magically make it all highly searchable and organized. That's a really hard engineering problem, mostly a backend problem. And it took three years to get that up and running. And so the first version of it was just that, just you know, being able to say, hey, just drag and drop all your data there, you know, like a hundred gigabyte zip file full of 500 gigabytes of email and other zips and video files, et cetera. And automatically making all that searchable and organized is a really challenging problem to solve. That was the first MVP. So let's stay on the MVP for a minute. So when you're building any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around feature limitation, which you spoke to, but also about you know technology that is used, maybe technical debt acceptance, or even you know other things like that. So tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you coped with those decisions. I mean, we try to do scoring systems, you know, like rice and ice and those kinds of things. But I think the biggest motivator was the reality of running out of money <laughs> and the the constraints behind that and you know saying all right well if we don't ship this thing by x date we're toast because we will only have this many months left to survive and that's a very clarifying way of um prioritizing your your feature set this episode is encrypted by cypher stash data breaches are becoming a fact of life you know why one of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with CypherStash. CypherStash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With CypherStash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, CypherStash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. 
This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So then you've got your MVP. Let's, let's, go, let's go to the point where the MVP is done. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I'm curious about how you built your roadmap, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build post that drag and drop. I, mean, I wish I could say it was all incredibly well thought out <laughs> and everything has played out perfectly, but that's just not the reality. I think a lot of what we do now, we mostly fell into just listening to the market. So I'd start there is, you know, talking with customers, listening to customers, learning how to listen, you know, active listening is, I don't think that that's something that comes naturally to a lot of people. So customers will always tell you, right? Like customers are always upset with something. You gotta listen to enough, enough of them. And if you do that, they will basically tell you either directly or indirectly what you should build. You know, my, my philosophy with like enterprise software in general is roughly 80 to 90% of what you should build should basically be direct feedback from your customers. Like don't try and reinvent the wheel. The other 10 to 20% of those things should come indirectly from active listening. Like customer might be saying like, hey, I really want you to build X, but then you start diving into the why behind that and you might find out that what they really need is why. And sometimes you have a home run. Like we just did this recently with a, with a new product that we brought to market earlier this year and no one was asking for it. But if you listen to the, the calls, they're all basically saying the same thing just indirectly. I think what you decide to build should come from your mission, your vision and your strategy, right? The strategy is just how you're gonna achieve your mission. You know, there's lots of books out there around strategy, but it's really, that, that's as simple as it gets. And so you've got to work backwards from, well, what's the mission of this company? Like, how are we going to achieve? How are we going to like, you know, take the hill, so to speak? Well, that's your strategy. And, and that mission and, and vision and strategy all wrapped around a customer or a set of customers that you're, you're trying to help and trying to get more of. And once you do that, you know, coming up with your, your goals and your roadmap is way easier. Okay, let's switch to team. Nobody can do this by themselves. To, to tell me about how you built your team and, and what you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you. This is the biggest thing of all in building a company. I know it's cliche to say, but yeah, a company is just a collection of people. So therefore, like the team you build becomes the company you build. And so you need to think about like mission, vision, strategy. And then you need to think about, well, what is the culture? What kind of culture do we need to create so that we can execute on that strategy? Because you can craft culture just as well as you can craft products um, if you're thoughtful about it, but you got to put it in that priority order. It's like mission, vision, strategy, and then, okay, what's the, what are the values that we need to have here in order for us to 
execute on our, our strategy the best we possibly can and values shape the culture, right? So, and that's important because, you know, those values are, are the kind of behaviors that you want to have in the organization that people really embrace because they use it to make decisions. We have five core values that directly rely, align to our strategy of winning this, this, this market and achieving our mission. And we codified one of those values based on my co-founder's name, Shen, S-H-E-N-G. And that became the behavioral framework that we use to assess talent. And so Shen is an acronym um, that we made, and it stands for smart, hungry and humble, empathetic, nimble, and gritty AF. And when you apply to Logical, we will ask you those questions, like tell us, how you rank on a scale of one to five and give us an example, you know, why you gave your, yourself that score. It's a much more complicated question. I mean, literally books and dozens of books and not hundreds of books have been written on this topic, but I think this is, this is my learning from how to think about building, building culture. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vassell edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too, in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech/slash code story and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O.tech/slash code story. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, CastAI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's flip to scalability. This will be super interesting. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction? One of the benefits of being a cloud company is you know, the, the cost to distribute your product uh, anywhere around, around the world. That, that marginal cost has gone to zero, right? Like it's pretty easy to to do that. And at the end of the day, like every technology company eventually becomes a distribution company. Great distribution will trump a great product almost every day. The way we thought about distribution on an efficiency scale was like, okay, how can we get distribution more efficiently you know, as we scale, we took a uh, product-led growth approach so that we removed as much friction from the, the trying and buying process as much as possible so that somebody can just sign up, try it out, put a credit card in and get off to the races. And then we enabled some viral loops once the customer was in the product so that our customers are the ones distributing the product for us. 
And that's worked out remarkably well. Like our business is almost entirely inbound and referral driven today. And you know, we're tens of millions of dollars in revenue in a very small sales organization by design. So then as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'd say the culture is probably the biggest one because if you get your culture right and it's aligned to the strategy you're trying to achieve, then everything just works better, you know, because you're kind of all rowing in the same direction. And one of the uh, values that we have here is put the customer first. It's kind of that version of like, be obsessed about customers. And I'd say the vast majority of our company is very, very customer first. And that's what you're here for. And if you're helping, if you're creating value for customers, then when they love it, they'll tell more people about it. And that's how you grow. So let's flip the script a little bit then. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Well, at one point we put all of our money into a bank that was taken over by the government and then we didn't have all of our money. <laughs> we got, we got <laughs> ouch, our money back. But, uh, that was a single threaded mistake that you never really think could happen, but it happened. All businesses die for most of the same reason. They run out of money. Just you never really you never really think that the way the reason why you run out of money is because the government took it and for non-tax reasons that was that was kind of an insane scenario a lot of mistakes i think you know in scaling companies they mostly come down to just people that you rushed a hiring decision you hired somebody that was really smart but culturally not aligned you know lazy or toxic you know those kinds of things and you know offboarding the wrong person and, and doing it in, a, in, in the right way because you know you can take you can take somebody's job which should not take their dignity i think in the past you know we struggled with that uh, we're much better about it now but i think most problems that founders face are almost always people issues and not being thoughtful about how you think about people how you hire the right people how you enable them help them be successful you know once you've hired the right person you know like i said earlier like you know at the end of the day the team you build is the company you build and say so, like if you hire the wrong people well guess what you're gonna you're gonna build the wrong company and this will be fun to ask what does the future look like for the product and for your team well these days it's something we think a lot about because of you know the advent of really groundbreaking ai and automation it is a interesting time to think about everything that you do, right? Because the cost of intelligence is going to zero. Wisdom is another thing, but the cost of intelligence is definitely going to zero. And all the things that we've been taught, I mean, I was just having this conversation with my son who's starting to apply for colleges. And he's like, oh, I could just have ChatGPT write the essay for me. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, that's not a good idea. But, you know, but, but think about it, like schools around the country have made they probably made a huge error by eliminating test scores in a lot of scenarios and relying on narrative of relying on essays because <laughs> now essays can be generated by ai so how are you going to differentiate yourself the, the way we think about things is one you're going to be able to scale businesses way faster with way fewer people than ever before like there will be billion dollar companies, more of them, because I already have been. I think WhatsApp was dozen or two dozen people when they were bought for $19 billion. And Instagram was six people and they were bought for a billion dollars. And at the time it was like, that's a lot of money. And for a few people, well, we're going to see even more of that. I think you're going to see one person, $100 million business. I think we'll see that this decade. And then for us, for our company, 
it's more of the same. I mean, we we bet on the trend that we're living in, which is the digital revolution, right? Like the industrial revolution digitized and data is going up and to the right. And therefore people that have to sift through all that and have a deadline like legal teams and IT teams, they're going to need a great data calling service. So we're kind of selling the picks and shovels, so to speak, in the gold rush. You know, we're not making the gold. We're just, hey, here's a here's a great shovel so that you can sift through all this stuff, find what you're looking for much faster. Okay, Andy, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. Beyond like dead people. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually looking at my bookshelf right now. There's a lot of influential dead authors. You know, Dale Carnegie, like going way back, he wrote, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's a classic. Andy Grove, you know, former CEO of Intel, he passed recently. He's written probably some of the most important books on scaling tech companies and scaling management, high output management, only the paranoid survive. Pretty great. And then, you know, it's more modern uh, people like in the tech space. There's you know, Mark Benioff in Salesforce. He's done just an incredible job, you know, scaling Salesforce and um, really leading everybody in the cloud. Uh, he's kind of a poster child for the cloud. I think their logo is literally a cloud. And then, uh, you know, more niche things like in my business, SaaS, you know, software as a service. There's, you know, Dave Kellogg and Jason Lincoln, and, and I know those guys. So, yeah, there's the list could go on and on. It's little pieces here and there, depending on what you're trying to learn. Last question, Andy. So, you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? I wouldn't give them any advice because advice is all contextual. I would ask more questions to get them thinking about what I would want to know. You know, I've been given lots of advice. At an earlier age, I took it kind of blindly because um, the person was successful. And I figured, oh, well, they know what the hell they're talking about. So I'm just going to take that advice. And I think almost every time that was wrong because the advice that they were giving me was based on their lived experience, not mine. Product-focused founders, which I think is what you're talking about, they have a curse. <laughs> They're really good at products, really good at product. They spend 99% of the time on pixels and product perfection. And, you know, it's like their baby, right? But as I said earlier, if you really want to scale, you have to think smarter about where you're spending your time. And I would ask, like, what is your distribution strategy? Like, how are you going to get distribution efficient? How are you thinking about it? How much time do you spend doing anything related to distribution? Are you going to need a sales team, right? How much is that going to cost? What kind of salespeople do you think you're going to need? All these things, because you've got to have really strong distribution if you want to build something at scale. And I wish I had thought more about that because I was a classic product-focused founder. I was a designer. I designed the product. Um, every pixel, you know, I spent time on. And if I had done just a simple like Credo principle of like 80-20 much earlier on, like, okay, four days of the week, I'm going to spend on product, 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 right? And just nailing the product experience because you can't, you know, shortcut that really. But one day of the week, I'm going to reach out and learn from everybody else out there that has done this in the past and learn about distribution. How did they do it? And what can I learn from the best of the best? And I think if I would have done that, this company would, because it all compounds, you know, I think this company would probably be 10x bigger than it is today. That would be my non-advice advice. advice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the non-advice advice. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today, and I really appreciate you telling the creation story of Logical. 
Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.